Let's take just a moment. If you or your spouse is a veteran, we're going to have you stand this morning. Would those of the United States Army please stand? Would those, those of the United States Navy stand? Fred's back and back. Those of the United States Air Force, please stand. Those of the United States Marine Corps, please stand. Edith, this is your turn. <laughs> and the United States Coast Guard. Not usually anybody in the Coast Guard, but it is one of our five branches. Thank you for serving. So, <laughs> who? Glenn? Did Glenn was in the army. Okay. All right. Take your Bibles and turn to First Corinthians twelve. We're going to move kind of quickly this morning. First Corinthians twelve. Last Sunday, I talked about be a servant. From Mark chapter 10, James and John come to Jesus and said, Lord, when you get into your kingdom, would you set us in the two positions right underneath you? One on your right and one on your left. And Jesus said, he that would be the greatest among you must be the servant of all, because the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. That's last Sunday's sermon in a nutshell. Be a servant. But I want to pick up on that idea and talk about service today as well in 1 Corinthians 12 to move us from sitting to service. Dave did the song this morning with us, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. Well, we don't want to sit when it comes to Christian service. We want to stand up and we want to get to work. And so in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, Paul says, Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. And so Paul has this passion to make certain that people understand what it is about spiritual gifts that is so important for the church to grasp. And he wants the church to be on solid footing. He, he wants to, to point the church in the right direction. He wants them to understand that every single one of you has been spiritually gifted in some capacity. That God has given every one of us, every one of you, you've been spiritually gifted. There are some gifts, some talent that you can use to build up the church, to build up the body of Christ as a whole. And Paul wants to make certain that the church understands the importance of moving from just sitting there to service. There are three different chapters about in the New Testament that, that talk at great length about serving. One is Romans chapter 12, another is Ephesians 4, and then there's this passage here in 1 Corinthians 12. And there are three words that, that kind of emerge as themes in every one of those chapters. The first word is unity. There wasn't much unity in the church at Corinth. With a church that had as many spiritual gifts as they had, they weren't being very spiritual. 
And one of the evidences of that was that there was a lack of unity. But we're to have unity in the midst of all the gifts that God has blessed us with. A second word is diversity. There are great, a great variety of gifts that God has given. We don't all have the same gift. So there's diversity in that. And then the third word is that of maturity. As we mature in the faith, as we deepen, we grow. And in each book, there's that similar list. If you add up all the different gifts that are talked about, it'd be about 20 different gifts. And Paul seems to be addressing this tendency in the church at Corinth that still exists today. And that is, whether it's a small church or a large church, it's easier to sit than it is to serve. It's easier to be a spectator than it is to be a participator. There's a principle in the business world that says 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And unfortunately, that same principle seems to carry over into the church sometimes. There, there is always the danger among us of becoming complacent and becoming comfortable. And when that happens, we begin to see the Christian life as merely sitting in an auditorium, listening to a preacher, instead of serving the body of believers and even going out of these doors, outside these walls, and serving the world. 1 Peter 4, verse 10 says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to do what? Serve who? Are you doing that? Are you using your gifts and abilities that God has blessed you with? Are you faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms by serving others? Be a servant. And don't just sit there. Serve. But there's, there's any number of excuses that I think we come up with for just sitting and not serving. And I want to examine some of those excuses and see how Paul addresses them here at 1 Corinthians 12. And a pretty common excuse for most of us is the excuse of inadequacy. Inadequacy, it's when we say, well, I really don't have anything to offer. I really want to serve. It's not that I don't want to serve. It's, I do want to make a difference with my life, but I don't have anything to bring to the table. I'm inadequate. Well, Paul addresses that here in verse 4. He says there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the man manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So Paul says there's different kinds of gifts, different kinds of service, and everybody's in on it. He says it's to all men, all people in the church. Verse 7 says it's given to each one. Now that's the truth. But sometimes it doesn't seem like reality. Because Satan loves to discourage us. He loves to make us feel like we should just stand on the sidelines because, hey, I'm really not going to make much of a difference. And so this excuse of inadequacy becomes pretty common. It was common in Scripture. God called Moses Go back and bring my children out of Egypt. And Moses said, well, God, I'm not a good speaker. I'm not adequate. When God called Gideon to lead his people against the Midianites, Gideon said, who am I? My clan is the weakest in all of Israel. 
And I think our response can be very much like that today. We reason to ourselves, well, I want to serve, I, I really do, but who am I? I'm inadequate, I, I've got nothing to offer. And I think this excuse of inadequacy, maybe it comes from a few different places, maybe one is feeling like a failure. And most of us struggle with this from time to time. We somehow feel like our past failures disqualify us for service to God. I think the Corinthians had to struggle with that. Because if you go back into chapter 6 and verse 9, Paul says that before a lot of these people had become Christians, that some of them had been adulterers and prostitutes and homosexual offenders and thieves and liars and drunkards. That's the people that made up the church at Corinth. And he just kind of goes through that list and says, that's what you were. And maybe some of those words describe you before you became a Christian. And so we start to think, well, after what I've done, well, God can't use me. God doesn't want to use me. But that's not what we see from Scripture. I mean, even if you've committed adultery, God can still use you. He used King David. Even if you're guilty of deceiving and cheating and lying, God can still use you. He used Abraham and Isaac. Even if you have been involved in prostitution or some blatant form of sexual immorality, God can still use you. He used Rahab the harlot, who's in the genealogy of Jesus. Even if you struggle with your temper or have this lack of self-control in your life, God can still use you. He used James and John, the sons of thunder, 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 I forget who wanted to call down fire from heaven and devour some people because they weren't hospitable towards Jesus. Maybe you've been inconsistent in your Christian life, and maybe you started strong and you fell away. you kind of been coming back, but you wonder if it's too late. It's not too late. God can still use you. He used John Mark, who quit on the Apostle Paul and went back home on a missionary journey. Maybe you're divorced or you've lived or are living with someone that you're not married to and you felt like the church just wrote you off. Well, God hasn't written you off. God still wants to use you. He used the woman at the well who had been married five times and the man she was living with was not her husband. And even Paul, who writes these words here, before he became a Christian, he was involved with murdering Christians. Called himself the chief of sinners. And yet God still used him in a very powerful way. And so we see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says, listen, this is the way that you used to be, but when you repented of your sins and you made Jesus your Savior, you were washed, you were justified, you were sanctified. And the message for the church in Corinth and for us is that not only can God still use you, but that he very much wants to still use you. And God specializes in taking that which is ordinary or inadequate and somehow making it extraordinary. And we see him doing this time and time again. Our problem is that when we look in the mirror, we think we're so inadequate. We think, well, how in the world could God ever use me? Well, it's in those moments when you feel inadequate and ordinary, you just remember Christ is extraordinary and that he's all-sufficient. And he can use your service to impact others. And the Christians in Corinth are a great encouragement to us in, in that they, they show us that you don't have to be really spiritual 
in order to be spiritually gifted. They were immature in their faith. There was a lot of sin that they were working out. But God had still empowered them and equipped them to serve. And understand that the very failure that you think disqualifies you from serving God may be the one thing that he wants to use for his glory to make the biggest impact in his kingdom. I think that's why Paul wrote in chapter 1, verse 27, that God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And God uses ordinary people, outcasts, the overlooked, the unlovely. God uses people just like you and me. I think another reason why we sometimes feel inadequate is that we forget our source of strength. Paul says in verse 6, that the same God works all of them in all men. This is back in chapter 12. And in other words, God's the one that works. And then in verse 7, we read that the gifts are a manifestation of the Spirit. It's through God's power. It's through the power of the Spirit that we can serve. But when we start to depend on our own giftedness, on our own strength, that's when we get into trouble. That's why when Moses said to God, I'm not a good speaker, God didn't say to Moses, yes, you are, you're a really good speaker. No, God didn't say that. He said, who made your mouth? I did. And when Gideon said to God, who am I? God didn't say, I'll tell you who you are. You're a gifted leader and you can do this. God didn't say that. Instead, he said, I'll be with you. And so the call for them was not to put hope and confidence in their own ability, in their own adequacy, but for them to realize how big God is and to put their confidence in him. A second excuse that we sometimes use is the excuse of indecision. You could also call this, well, I don't know where to serve. I really don't. And maybe for a short while you might be able to truthfully use that as an excuse, but you can't use that for very long. Certainly not over the long haul, because eventually you have to find out ways that you can serve. And here's what Satan would love. Satan would love for you to be a sponge that just comes here on Sunday mornings and soaks in everything week after week after week. Just like a sponge, you absorb everything, but then you never release anything. But if that's what happens... If a sponge never releases what it absorbs, it'll rot. It'll become brittle over time as the water stagnates and evaporates. One of the healthiest concepts you need to be aware of was introduced by a Christian writer named Richard Foster, and I shared this with you in last Sunday's message. It was Richard Foster that said, he said to be a servant, he said there's a difference between choosing to serve and choosing to be a servant. When I choose to serve, I retain control about who I serve and when I serve, but when I choose to be a servant, I've given up all rights and all control. So in other words, the difference is this. If you choose to serve, you might say, okay, the church is having a, a work day on Saturday morning. I'll show up and I'll, and I'll serve. And so you choose to serve at that particular time for a particular work. But when you choose to be a servant, that means wherever you are, whatever you're doing, 24-7, you're always on the lookout to serve. 
It's a lifestyle. And I hope you can see the difference in that. Look back in chapter 12 here. Pick up in verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Now after Christ's resurrection and ascension, the Holy Spirit gave out some miraculous gifts, primarily so that those that were preaching the gospel would have credibility. They had the ability to heal diseases, do miraculous works. Some of them had the ability to speak in different languages, but back then when the church began, they didn't have a written record. They didn't have the New Testament. So God empowered them to do some miraculous things. He gave them some supernatural gifts so that it would lend credibility to the gospel being preached as the church began. But listen, when you serve within the church, please understand it does not require you to do miracles. You don't have to have theological training. You don't have to have an impressive financial portfolio. It, it doesn't mean that you've got a long list of academic achievements. It's simply making yourself available. That's it. Make yourself available. doesn't matter if you're young or old, rich or poor. It, it, it just means you have a love for Christ. And you want to serve. And when it comes to service, we're only limited by our lack of creativity. And Paul's goal when it comes to the church at Corinth, was not uniformity. He didn't want them all to have the same gift. That'd be pretty boring, wouldn't it? That's not how it works. God gives us each different gifts, but they were to be united because if you look back at this passage, it was all given by the same Spirit. And folks, when God calls you to service, it's not because He needs your help. I mean, God's not up in heaven wringing his hands saying, oh no, what am I going to do? What's going to happen if such and such doesn't take place if they don't serve? It's not like that. Your service is not a response to earn your way into heaven. Your service is not a way to pay off your debt for your sins being forgiven. You serve as a form of worship. You serve to show others your love. And where do you learn a concept like that? From Jesus, who in John 13 took a towel and a basin of water and began to wash dirty feet. In God's economy of things, you don't ascend the ladder of greatness like we talked about last week. You descend the ladder of greatness. And you don't try to be seen, you try to be a servant, and you look for those ways where you can put the focus on other people. We've got to see service more as a lifestyle, not just some task that we're checking off our list. Maybe the most common excuse for us is the excuse of indifference, where we say, I just don't really feel like serving. Now, we don't say that out loud, but we may think it to ourselves, and it's really not a very noble excuse, but it might be the excuse that we can most relate to. And the reason that we don't feel like serving is because we think that serving won't make me happy. 
we think what will make us happy is someone serving me. Happiness is defined as someone meeting my needs, someone waiting on me. But serving says, I'm going to meet somebody else's needs. And in verse 12, Paul gives us a powerful picture of how we should think of serving. He says, for even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. And that's the way it is with the church. We all form one body, and there are a lot of different parts that make up that one body. Verse 17, he goes on to say, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be. And if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So God has intentionally and purposely given each of us a role to play in this body. And when one part of the body says, I don't really feel like doing my part, what happens? Well, the body isn't as strong, as healthy as it, as it could be. And the other members have to try to cover what that person is, is not doing. And so the whole body is impacted. How do we overcome those feelings of indifference? Well, I think one way, one thing we need to do as Christians is be sure that we operate in the Spirit. This really is key. Did you notice how many times the word Spirit is mentioned? It's referenced at least ten times or more as the source of our power. And it's by walking in the Spirit that we're able to serve. And when we're trying to serve without the power of the Spirit... Man, it doesn't take very long for our service to feel draining. And it just wears us out. It takes an emotional toll on us, and we don't feel like doing it. But when we operate in the Spirit, in the power of the Spirit, when we're walking in the Spirit, then we, we have that right attitude, and God gives us the strength to want to serve. When you think about it, when we start to view service, knowing that it doesn't matter if we get any credit out of it, then all of a sudden the tables are turned and it becomes true service. And we say, I'm just going to do it. And so it's not just about talking about serving, but it's actually serving. Love is expressed through sacrifice. Sacrifice is shown when we serve. And Jesus showed us that service and sacrifice those things go hand in hand. As he said in Matthew 10, verse 45, or in Mark 10, verse 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. One last excuse, and that's the excuse of insignificance. And it simply says, well, I'm just not needed. And for someone who says that I'm not really needed, sometimes it's false humility, at other times, it's an inferiority complex. As imperfect humans, we tend to live in one or the other extreme. We either think we're God's gift to the world, or we think, man alive, I'm so insignificant that God could never use me, and the truth is somewhere in the middle. You are a person of incredible value. Do you hear that? You are of incredible value. How do I know that? Because Jesus died for you.
That's how much you're worth to God. That he would send his son to die for you. He's gone to great lengths to show that no one in the body of Christ is insignificant. Look back at verse 21 here in our text. The eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it's much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And our unseemly members come to have more abundant seemliness, whereas our seemly members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, that there should be no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And so Paul points out that all parts of the body, even though some are less visible or more visible than others, they're all equally important. And we've certainly seen that in the life of this congregation. Because there are many of you who serve behind the scenes and you're never up front. And yet your service is the backbone of what God is doing here. Because you're serving an audience of one. God. And someday you'll get your reward for that in heaven when the God who sees what is done in secret behind the scenes, he will reward you. Rick Warren says it like this. God gave me a gift, not for me, but for you. And God gave you a gift, not for you, but for me. And if I don't use the gifts that God has entrusted to me, then I'm robbing you. And if you don't use the gifts that God has blessed you with, you're cheating me. And really, that's true. That's true. And so once again, the underlying thought of last Sunday and this Sunday is be a servant. Don't sit there. Serve. Serve. Again, that 1 Peter 4 verse 10 passage. That each one of us is to use our gifts to serve others. Faithfully administering the grace of God in its various forms. Are you doing that? How many of you remember? Uh, it's been, I don't know if churches still do it today or not. But I remember churches that when you entered the building or when you entered the auditorium, you would look up above the door and it would say, enter to worship. Remember that? But on the inside of the auditorium or on the inside as you went out the, the doors, what did it say? Depart to serve. Enter to worship. Depart to serve. I think we do a pretty good job with the first part. But how are we doing with the second part? Don't make excuses. God has given you a gift. Whether it's a gift that will put you up front or a gift that will put you behind the scenes putting stamps on envelopes or washing dishes in the kitchen or whatever. Doesn't matter. You are needed. You are needed to do your part so that the body is strong and healthy. Are you doing your part? Let's stand and sing.